join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Morning is uh, coming from First Peter. We're reading from chapter two, and we're beginning at verse two and going through ten. I'm reading this morning from uh, the NRSV translation. Peter writes, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to God, who is a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and present in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe, he is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Words of wisdom for us today. Melba Beals uh, was 17 at the time when school integration began. She was one of the Little Rock Nine. And as she grew into the calling that the time demanded of her. Uh, she talks later about how her grandmother inspired her as she was working through the courage to be one of those young people walking into a school where they were not welcome. And what she remembered was that her grandmother had said to her, we are God's ideas, and you must strive to be the best of what God 
has made you. We are God's ideas. She talks about how her grandmother at that time gave her the gift of identity. In the reading that we have this morning, Peter is also giving his audience the gift of identity. You heard it in those beautiful verses right there at the end. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a holy people. Outside of these walls, I think that we tend to think of identity as something that follows behavior. You work hard, you're industrious, you get good grades, you're smart, you have a good job, you're successful. But Peter is shifting this, and he's shifting it because he's writing to a wide range of Jesus followers. At the very beginning where he addresses his letter, he addresses it to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. And what we think is that he's probably writing to a Gentile group rather than a mostly Jesus group, a a mostly Jewish group of Jesus followers. And he's writing maybe 60, 70 A.D., These are people who are paving yet again another new way. These are people who aren't part of the original Jesus followers movement. They're people who identify with being outsiders. And so the identity that they seem to be taking on is something like, you don't fit in, you're a misfit which is a label that maybe we've worn at some part or another in our lives. It's a label uh, that's easy to take on. You go to a new school, you make a career change, you have a big move, and all of these things can throw us off and make us feel like we don't belong. And so we try to learn. We try to figure out the new customs and the way that people speak and how they dress and what the particular culture of the place is. Most of you have probably even done it here at UCC Longmont at some point or another. You've walked through those doors or you've joined online and you've looked around and you've wondered, will I know the words to the prayers? What if nobody says hello to me? What if somebody does say hello to me? writing to a people who are trying to figure this out, who are trying to figure out how to live into the new way of life, of being called Christian, Peter doesn't start there. He doesn't start with behavior, and he doesn't start with, to become a Christian, you do this and this and this. He starts with identity. What Peter says is that no way is earning, nobody is earning their way into belonging. They're living into it just by drawing closer to God. Let yourselves be fed. In a culture that puts a lot of emphasis on finding something, finding ourselves, finding success, even finding Jesus, Peter just says, come closer. 
Put your relationship with God first and let the rest fall into place. But Peter isn't talking about some sort of kind of rugged spiritual independence here. It's not, um, it's not just sit and remember that God loves you and then you're never gonna feel anxious or depressed or sad or like an outsider again. Peter's not writing to individuals. The remembering that he's giving them, the identity that he's giving them is being given to the community, which means that the reminding is also given to the community. And it's significant because we do tend to place the responsibility for remembering who we are on the individual. And the truth is we're never meant to go it alone. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller says, we see those advertisements with the rugged cowboy riding along on a horse, and we think that's strength. When really, strength is like settling your soul down on a couch and not exercising it. The soul needs to interact with other people to be healthy. The soul needs to interact with other people. Losing sight of that, even losing sight of that in our spiritual lives, might explain a tremendous shift that we're seeing in loneliness in America today. Some of you might have been following uh, some of the reports coming out from the Surgeon General's office, and Dr. Vivek Murthy talks about a loneliness epidemic. A loneliness epidemic in our nation. A study that went from 2018 to 2020 found that 60% of Americans struggle with loneliness. And it found that that number is at least 75% among younger people. And I wanna keep in mind, those are mostly pre-pandemic numbers. That is a staggering percentage of people who don't just experience being alone sometimes. Lonely is their core identity. And the reason that loneliness concerns someone like the Surgeon General is because long-term persistent loneliness leads to depression, to anxiety, to heart challenges, to dementia, to sleep disturbances. It makes people less creative, and less productive. It means that work and school both suffer. And if you're a person who has or is now experiencing that kind of loneliness and maybe recognizing it as you're hearing the effects mentioned, then you know that feeling can settle on you so easily. Feeling like you belong isn't just a nicety. It's not just a sweet thing to put into a letter that you're writing to some followers far away to assure them that God loves them. 
It is a thing that we need as much as we need food and water. And so when we put it that way, we can see why the center of Christianity is relationship. Our claim is that God lives and moves among us in the person of Jesus and continuing in the spirit and in one another today. And so we might even remember that even Jesus, the one that the old creed says is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, if some of you grew up saying that creed, that even Jesus didn't go alone. Part of remembering who we are then in a very real and practical way might mean enlisting help from others. And so I wanna turn to some of the recommendations that have come out of the work on loneliness. In an interview uh, that I heard actually about a month ago with Dr. Murphy, he outlines four things that we can do to foster connection. And I think they're worth lifting up and making part of our practice. The first, he says, is to spend 15 minutes a day connecting with someone you care about. And I'm sure that can be a phone call or a video chat or text or a message, but the limit that Dr. Murthy places on it is that this connection time should not be with someone you live with. And it's not because those people don't matter, it's because we have a tendency to think that our world is smaller than it is. And so we need to expand our sense of the people who love us that we love. The second thing he says is to give our full attention to somebody when we talk to them. He points out how often we are distracted. We are multitasking. We are making lists in our heads. We are monitoring text and emails. And in the midst of all of that, our relationships are becoming fractured. We are physically present but spiritually and emotionally disconnected. The third thing he says is to find opportunities for service to others. And he points out that this one often feels counterintuitive to people because if we're experiencing loneliness and that has become connected to despair or anxiety, we might be in a place where we are waiting for someone to notice that we need help. But all of the emotions and the effects that go alongside this loneliness also lead to a decreased sense of self-esteem. We think we're not lovable. So the idea of putting ourselves out there in service to another isn't just that it opens the door to other relationships, it's that it helps us reclaim that we are people who can make a difference. It reminds us of our identity. And the last one is about solitude. This is actually the one that felt counterintuitive to me because if I think about what it feels like to be lonely, I might describe it as having too much solitude. But another way to think about solitude is to think about it as the idea of giving ourselves our full attention. How often do you give yourself your full attention? 
We fill every moment we have. And what that means is that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to reflect, to be surprised by something we notice, to experience gratitude and joy, to just marvel at an interaction that was pleasant and took us by surprise. We just move on to the next thing. And so creating time to be with ourselves is part of overcoming loneliness. And because we are a people of faith, I would add to this that this is an opportunity for spiritual practice. This is where we connect with God. It's where we taste and see that God is good, which is what Peter opens up with. We can't eat if we don't show up at the table, right? <laughs> that list of things seems like it's shifted, maybe, uh, from identity to behaviors, which at the beginning I specifically said, it's not about behaviors. It's about identity. But I want to bring back to that because I want to say that these behaviors aren't the rules for belonging. It's not do these things so that you can belong. You belong. These are modern examples of how we can be the priesthood that Peter talks about. They are ways for us to hold that remembering for one another. Ways for us to be a community of reminding so that each of us grows into the vision that God is holding for us, God's ideas, that we might be a people of love, spreading love. Let's try them and see how they work for us.